on the line. We've got Zach Williams, New York Post Albany reporter. Zach, what's what's it been like this past week? I understand a lot of the uh, lawmakers were away. I mean, what, what are things getting done up there? <laughs> hey, thanks for having me, Laura. You got yeah, it. Yeah, it's hard to say. We are now two weeks past the April 1st budget deadline, and it's a little bit anticlimactic. You know, the last couple days of the week, um, you know, the governor was more busy uh, having press conferences with Pete Buttigieg and uh, <laughs> about the impending um you know, abortion restrictions than seemingly having press conferences with the legislative leaders announcing the deal. So, yeah, and she threw her, her her team, the governor's team, threw a little shade to the legislators saying, well, we're here and we're ready to work. We're ready to negotiate. We're all here. No one's gone anywhere. Well, that's just the thing. Yeah, the governor says she is there ready to make a deal. But at the same time, she's not saying where are the legislators, you know. And it's one of the sub-narratives of this whole year has been, you know, where is the governor compared to the legislature? Is she, you know, a uh, in control, so to speak, of the Capitol? Or is the legislature becoming more and more assertive? You know, we saw what happened with her judicial nomination getting voted down just weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Now we got a budget that's two weeks. And whenever that whenever something goes on and on like this, you know, immediately you got to look at the governor. The governor is the one that drives the budget process. She's the one with an enormous amount of leverage. And thus far, she, you know, you could say patiently is waiting on a deal with the legislature. But at the same time, it's really hard to know because there just doesn't seem to be a lot of action at all in recent days. So speaking of assertive legislators, there was something on your Twitter feed that I don't know. Maybe I'm just old fashioned. I don't know why this didn't get more attention. Uh, it was Jabari Brisport and a bunch of other legislators banging on a box and chanting along with protesters, tax the rich, tax the M- mother effing rich over and over. Like, it, I don't know. It just didn't seem very statesmanlike to me. Is this a normal occurrence or did that seem odd to you? Well, I think what we're seeing from, like, the Democratic Socialists is a lot of kind of the, you know, tactics, if you will, that we've seen outside of the Capitol in recent years. You know, street protests, occupation, sitting down, you know, profane chants even, you know, are more and more coming into the Capitol itself. You know, we've seen that in past budget years. You know, last year they hung out in the war room, which is just outside of the governor's office. And year before they did something similar and, you know, we've seen that, you know, I think we're seeing we, we haven't seen as much from the political right. But then again, it's Albany, you know, where they're just kind of a little bit more off to the sides. But I, I think you rightfully are seeing that, you know, a lot of these activists that become legislators bring what, you know, activist type approaches to uh, issues like this. Right. It's, I know, guess it's a natural evolution. Th- they're more into government than they are into governing. <laughs> Well, everybody's got or a role to play, and yeah. you got the three leaders, and you got you know inside, especially the the Democratic legislature, you know the Assembly and the State Senate supermajorities. You have a leftist faction that wants things to go their way. Now, are they in leadership? Eh, not so much. So, what do they do? They uh, you know hold occupations and chant this and that uh, in order to get attention, and that's kind of their leverage in this process. So, Zach, your sources I read in on fr- in Friday's paper are telling you that housing, the housing compact, is eclipsing bail as the hottest issue being negotiated right now. Is there any movement on any of those issues? 
Well, it's hard to say. It's like, you know, a conclave-like level of security in terms of what we, you know, actually know of what's being said. But from what we can tell, you know, for the past week or two, there's been lots of chit-chat that really they're not so far apart on bail. You know, changing this least restrictive standard that judges have said kind of keeps them from jailing people ahead of their trials, threaten public safety, et cetera. And... You know, there has there was murmurs of discovery this past week yeah, and that's kind a, that's, of you know, loosening mm-hmm. restrictions on, you know, when uh, prosecutors need to give, you know, an enormous amount of evidence that was expanded under discovery reform. But, yes, housing, that's a big one. And seemingly, you know, it's not just the housing compact. You know, there's a lot of other things that, you know, uh, Carl Hasty said at the beginning of the week that legislators want to. You know, rental assistance for NYCHA housing. That's a big one for New York City legislators in particular. So And good cause eviction. Is that is that on the table as a negotiation pawn? Well, that's gonna be a really good question to ask on Monday mm-hmm. because you know, we haven't seen um you know, I I believe it was last Monday or Yes, last Monday, uh, one of the legislative leaders, I think it was Andrew Stewart-Cousins, at a press conference. Next day, Carl Hasey, or maybe it was the other way around. And, you know, since then, we haven't really heard much from them, haven't heard much from the governor except a few quick questions at press conferences. So it's just like, you know, I said earlier, a bit anticlimactic. It's kind of hard to believe that Mm. the budget is two weeks late, and there's just not really a sense of urgency, yeah. at least from where I'm sitting in the Capitol. Yeah, that's odd. So uh, something that your paper had on the front page today was Judge Rowan Wilson is set for a vote tomorrow, Monday, uh, to be approved for the top judge position, the one that they dinged Judge Hector LaSalle for. Um, however, there is something in your paper on the front page about him tossing a rape conviction because of a delay in getting DNA evidence. Now, I don't know if this this could have been completely legit and he had to do it and he had no choice. But it makes me wonder if because of the increased politicization of the judicial system in general, I mean, all judges are going to have to make some difficult call that's going to annoy someone, a politician at some point. Is this is this ever going to end? I mean, it seems to be really hard to pick people to run the courts. Well, you know, there there are some um, important differences, certainly with the reception that Hector LaSalle got. Um, yeah, well, know, from the legislature, that's for sure. From the legislature, especially from organized labor, um, you know, from the get-go, you know, the and it kind of went on for weeks and weeks, whereas this process, you know, the governor announced her pick like last week or something. And now we're already getting to a confirmation hearing. Some of that had to do with just kind of the legislative schedule. You know, Hochul announced it in December. Legislature wasn't in Albany, although that didn't stop them from coming back up here to give themselves a pay raise. But, um, you know, there were several, what, four, four or five weeks before there was a confirmation. This, in this case, it's going to go quick. You know, a lot of the key leaders have already said they like this guy. Some might say that the whole point of this is to overthrow the congressional lines and, oh. you know, tip the balance of power in Congress once that redistricting case makes its way through the courts. So, wow. you know, there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of chess pieces on the board here. But, you know, if, if you need one more sign that the budget isn't being going to get passed when that extender expires on uh, Tuesday, it's the fact that they're having confirmation hearings. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, so. What, there you go. The um, key to all this uh, is the role of Senator Generis, right? 
Well, Senator Giannaris's, uh press release right after the Rowan Wilson pick being announced, you know, indicating, uh, you know, his support basically for this nomination, you know, really showed that there wasn't going to be a big fight on Rowan Wilson. And why should there be? You know, he has what some would say is a uh, liberal jurisprudence. Um, it, you know, and, and what's interesting, Laura, what you brought up earlier. You yeah, know, make it quick because we got to run. Coming back up is simply that, you know, in Hector LaSalle's case, you know, he got criticized a lot for a very strict reading on the law. If it wasn't literally that word, you know, that kind of, you know, affected his decisions. And Rowan Wilson's is kind of like affected, you know, by kind of lofty ideals. Mm. And, you know, just look at the elephant case, the one that was suing for habeas corpus. You know, he said it wasn't so much that the elephant, you know, deserves to like file, you know, lawsuits trying to be a person or something. Of course, (laughs) it's not a person. But what does it show about us that this intelligent creature can't petition a court or somebody on its behalf, obviously, you know, um, so, Zach, we're going to be watching all of this. I would love for you to come back when the sausage is made, uh, and keep, we'll keep following you on Twitter and reading you in the post. Thanks a lot, Zach. Always-